I think that's the thing about 2020, because I can see the nearest faraway place, which Bruce did in Cotton Fields, which is a song that Alan had wanted to do for quite a while. And Dennis, I'll never learn not to love. friends and welcome back to the Salon podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. Wherever you're listening, thank you guys so much for joining me and making this show part of your day. Hold on, is that is that shortening bread? Oh, wait. Is is that Nia Demilio? What what are you doing here? Oh my god, yeah, my intro music precedes me. It's it's yeah, like that's the wrestling. Adult child it's like when the, the it's like when uh, Stone Cold. Uh, you don't. You're not playing out with wrestling, but is that Stone Cold's music? So hey, what's up? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, uh, here in sunny California, um. And right off the heels of the the Grammy salute, which I think oh is why I'm here. Oh okay. Um, well, yeah that that actually makes sense because I wanted to ask you about that because you did <laughs> go to see the Grammy salute to the Beach Boys. Yes, I um, did. Per my request, and I'm glad that you were able to go. I had <laughs> a few too. other friends there too, but I was so excited to, like hear about what was happening and and I was getting like real time updates from from you and um <laughs> it seemed like you had a great time but yeah um, i mean there's a whole you you recorded a whole um unhinged review that it will be on our patreon page but um and you can hear that today but um i wanted to just bring you on so you could he- so you could kind of give everybody a, a brief rundown of, of how was it and and if if people didn't hear about it um what was cool what was not cool and uh, what did you take away from it? And, and did you have a good time? Yes. So I do. I will say right off the bat, thank you for telling me to go. Because um, when we talked about it, it wasn't really on my radar, as you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought it up. And I'm so glad that I went. I it, it was like four hours of total bliss. Mm. Um. It was so much more fun than I ever could have imagined. 
And it's the first time I've ever been part of like a live audience for anything. So that was very cool. Nice. Um, but in general, I guess there's like sort of two parts to it. So like there were the performances and then there were the Beach Boys sitting in a box to the side of the stage. <laughs> and uh-huh, right. I think I watched both of those things equally. Like I, <laughs> I was paying attention to the songs and the people performing them and everybody sounded great. There really wasn't any bad performance. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that I watched the Beach Boys watch the songs just as much as I watched the songs. Um, mm-hmm. So... So yeah, it, it it was very cool. Um, we didn't get to hear from any of the Beach Boys, but uh, maybe they did like behind the scenes interviews or something. I don't know. But mm. they were all there. All five of them were there. And and then John Stamos was also there, <laughs> um, obviously. Sure. But I know a few of the groups because of what um, people told me, but I haven't heard any of the performances or seen any of them. So yes, yes, um, and you shouldn't because we were there were uh, like straight up the attendants would were walking into rows and taking people's uh, phones away. It was like really intense. Well, I got several pictures of of the uh, the Beach Boys in their little opera box or whatever. Yes, um, um, <laughs> from people in, bet- in between um, performances, perhaps. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so the uh, so in like the email that we all who were going like from mm-hmm. Ticketmaster that I received, um, I'd say like there were at least double the amount of acts than were like advertised in the email, and so oh, wow. I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, like I couldn't believe that there were that many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited to see what Weezer was going to do because I know that Rivers Cuomo likes Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they ended up doing California Girls, which is like not bad. But I was yeah. like, oh, that's it. <laughs> you know, like what I'll yeah. say is that like there were really no like crazy choices. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I was also excited to see John Legend because he's mm. so he's so brilliant and he did two songs, um, and one of them was Sail on Sailor, and it was oh, that's awesome awesome it was awesome um and i rave about it in the episode um and then my morning jacket i was also really excited to see uh just simply because you know jim james is so like heavily featured in long promised Mm -hmm. road and he and brian wrote that song together at least that's what the yeah (laughs) the songwriting credits allege um so i was excited to see what they did and they did I Get Around, and they had tech issues, so they had to do it twice, which was incredible. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad I got to hear it twice. And then same thing for Pentatonix. Did I honestly, mm-hmm. if you don't know what song Pentatonix did, like, I'm not going to spoil it on the main feed. Okay, great. So, but it, they had to so, do theirs twice, too. So this is going to air at some point. Yes, right. it's going to air. They said there that it's going to air in the spring. So soon. But I don't think there's a date for it yet. Right. That's awesome. Well, I don't want to spoil too much of it. For number one, people are going to see it when it airs. And also, Mm -hmm. I want people to listen to your your review because I'm I'm sure it'll be 
It'll be good. It always is. I mean, I'm excited to listen yeah. to it as well. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I, like I said, I was literally so excited about it. Um, and I met someone special at the end of the night. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you want to keep that a secret? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's not that eventful. <laughs> you met a beach boy. Let's just I say met- it. Yes, I met one of the Beach Boys in the parking garage of the Dolby Theater. <laughs> right, if you want us to find out all the juicy details of Nia's night with a Beach Boy, you can head over to the Salon Patreon page. That's the only way to support the show and keep it afloat. And huge shout out to all the patrons, but especially to the, the latest and greatest Kevin Cobbs, Zachary Kennard, Douglas Georgeson, Ruby Savant, Lachlan Moffat Gray, Cranjus and Dennis Dyken. We love you. So yeah, thank you, Nia. And um, I'm sure there'll be more Beach Boys related events for you to report from and and more, you know, cringe worthy concerts from the past for you to watch <laughs> and review. All yes. of the above. Um, the appointment is booked for my next Beach Boys tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> it will be my fifth Beach Boys related tattoo. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will see it on uh, March 11th. <laughs> I'm really slacking. I have no Beach Boys tattoos. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I have several tattoos. I have a Beatles tattoo and, and other various bands that are not the Beach Boys, believe it or not. But I just, I don't know. I just haven't found the right design. Also, I'm old and I don't like paying for <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Um, Fair enough. I will live vicariously through you and your and your Beach Boys tattoos, and and yeah. and one day I will maybe take the plunge if I if I come up with the right idea. What if we um, get What if we get matching Beach Boys tattoos? I get heroes and you get villains. Ooh, that'd be cool. Something to think I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> I get shortened and get, you get like bread. A, <laughs> ooh, okay. Now we're talking. Yeah, I definitely want it to be an MIU related. Um, Beach voice tattoo. So, you know. Wow. I took a sip of my tea when you said that and I almost spit all over my I'll have the, <laughs> I'll have a sleeve that is just uh, or that represents all the songs on MIU. <laughs> <laughs> Match point of our love, the tattoo. Yes, yes of course. It's gonna have everything. It's gonna have pitter patter, it's gonna have hey little tomboy. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, don't, yeah, don't I love hate. it. I can't All wait right. to see it. All right, thanks, Nia. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Say hello. All right, we do have a guest today, good friend of mine and a, a longtime listener of the show, Paul Behan. What's going on, man? Good to have you on finally. Thank you. It's great to see, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to see you, Wyatt. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man. We talked about this a while back, and you know, I'll let I'll let you get um, into into yourself a little bit. But uh, you called into the show years ago, like maybe I don't even remember. It was like probably twenty nineteen, maybe something definitely like that. Pre, yeah, definitely pre lockdown. It was pre pandemic. I talked to you about some of your projects you were working on, and then we actually met up when you were in Nashville. Uh, at one point, uh, at a really, a really fancy rooftop bar. That was really yeah, nice. 
That was really fun. I remember I remember being embarrassed because you you had already eaten or you were saving your appetite for dinner. So I was starving. <laughs> so I had a I don't just remember a big, that. had a big um, nasty burger and I think you had a couple beers and I was just like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I gotta eat Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. So most people probably don't remember your your voicemail from however long ago, but just fill everybody in on on why we're here talking today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Wyatt. This is again, yeah, this has again been a uh, long time coming. I think I, I came across the podcast. I want to say late 2018, maybe early 2019. And it's funny because the only way I describe it to my, you know, my few fellow Beach Boys friends, fans, is that it was as if all the crazy inner dialogue I've had in my head regarding Beach Boys. Uh, artifacts and history and set lists and all that great stuff. And of course, that amazing story we all know and love. It was almost as if all that dialogue in my brain got put into a podcast. And it was like, oh, finally, there's some people that think about the Beach Boys as much as I do. <laughs> so I, I believe I wanted to show you appreciation and gave a uh, and called you and left a message about the gateway uh, the, the Beach Boys gateway drug, if you will, for me. Um, of course, you know, I grew up, I grew up in San Diego. I mean, I grew up basically in the Beach Boys backyard. And, you know, I always knew about the hits, the striped shirts, the, you know, appearances on Ed Sullivan and uh, knowing about Dennis drowning in 1983 and hearing about Brian having his troubles and, of course, not knowing anything else and, of course, having a good laugh at seeing Mike Love on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous when I was a kid in the late 80s. And of course, you know, Kokomo making my my mother very happy to hear the Beach Boys back on the radio on uh, current uh, contemporary stations, if you will. But uh, yeah, so my, my madness into the Beach Boys really didn't start until about 1998 or 1999. I was, uh, I was working in a really high-end clothing store in Hollywood and a uh, fellow musician friend of mine who I'd worked with, um, you know, he was a groovy seventies guy who had a masterful bootleg of smile. And I, of course, people had told me over the years, pet sounds was one thing. And, you know, listen to that. If you really want to hear with you know, how the genius of Brian Wilson, but of course, you know, I was, I thought I was too cool for that. And, uh, my buddy whose name is Paul, he who's also, also Paul put on the, the smile bootleg. And I remember, the hook, line, and sinker for me was the tag of heroes and villains. It sounds almost like cartoon music with the harmonica right. and the, the uh, da, 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 you know, going yeah. into the, that caught me for a moment. I thought, oh my gosh, this is some, there's something way deeper here. So the next day I went to a used record store and I found a, uh, a copy of Smiley Smile thinking it was the same thing. And I took it right. home and, yeah, I, I recognized the hook from Heroes and Villains. I was kind of familiar with that song, but everything else sounded completely different. I was like, this is not mm -hmm. what I remember. But I still liked it. It was groovy. And then, of course, uh, over the over that period of about six months, I just bought whatever Beach Boys record I could get my hands on. And, uh, some, you know, Friends became a favorite very quickly. And uh, 2020, I had actually got my hands on a... Uh, a capital copy of that record. I, I want to say it was either a Canadian uh, copy, but it had the actual mm -hmm. rainbow capital logo on it. And I remember then kind of hearing the connection going, okay, there sounds like there's some songs from that smile bootleg I heard on here. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, here, 20, 20, 
four years later, here we are. And it's like, I still can't get enough. Awesome, man. Yeah, I I totally kind of missed out on the whole smile bootleg thing because I was so ingrained in the early Beach Boys stuff. So I think I knew about smile just because of the my dad telling me about it and like, you know, hearing Cabin Essence and um, uh, Surf's Up and stuff like that on the other records. And uh, but I was like so much more enamored with Surfer Girl, the album and that stuff at the time, like in the mid 90s. And then when I I got the Pet Sounds box and that was kind of for me the the moment the like, you know, this is this is it. This is my my favorite band. Yeah. Um, I wish I had found out about Smile earlier and especially in the bootleg form because it was so I don't know. There's something really just. um organic and and fun about like that experience like a friend showing you a bootleg of something and it feels like this secret that you know that that no one else knows about you know that's exactly what it felt like because you know yeah. I'd, i i feel like i esoterically heard you know all the ooh brian wilson stayed in bed for five years and uh, dennis drowned and you know the all the stories all the weird yeah you know under, underbelly beach boy stories and of course you know that really fascinated me a lot more than knowing about, you know, the origin of surfer girl. And of course I, so I, I went completely backwards. Yeah. And of course I've gone, I've gone through moments where I only want to listen to the first, you know, five beach boys records, you know, and not listen to the, not listen to the late sixties, early seventies era. It's cool going back and listening to it now that I'm so, uh, I'm so kind of knee deep in this late sixties era for the podcast. Um, going back and I mean obviously like when I play gigs with, with the with the tribute band we play a lot of early stuff and but I'm almost like it's almost like on rails at that point I'm not really thinking about the music and then I go back and listen to it and I'm like man like I just love all this stuff I love all that early stuff the hits and like seeing Brian blossom into a full-fledged producer and stuff and um, yeah. I still I don't know I still think it gets you know swept under the the grandioseness of pet sounds and and the the myth of smile and all that stuff but for sure yeah i mean and, and i'm sure you were you know it's so different growing up in california probably being a lot more familiar with with that uh that era um just hearing that music probably growing up a lot more i grew up in the south so there wasn't just an inherent knowledge of the beach boys music and I, I'm envious. I'm envious of that fact that you grew up in the yeah. South and the, the Beach Boys as being this exotic music from California. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know, I've you know, I've Hollywood. I've been in Hollywood way too long. You know, born and raised in Southern California. I've been working in the music industry and in the film industry for twenty years, almost twenty years now. Over oh, God, twenty-two years, which is really mm. scary. So there is this kind of like jaded quality where. I kind of wish that I I got it when I was a kid. Like, of course, you know, the Beach Boys Christmas album, that was a staple in my home growing up. We're, Mm. we're Jewish and we still had that Beach Boys Christmas album. And it was (laughs) such a far, it was a far out record, even as like a four-year-old kid hearing that. Um, I did, you know, one thing I I always forget about, I did have this, I had this aunt who my, my mom's sister was a, was a hippie hippie, like, my mom was a little bit more conservative, but my mom's older sister was a, you know, freestyle and hippie who, you know, yep. lived across, all in, in vans across the United States. She had this really far out husband. And I remember he wore overalls with no, no shirt. And he had a, he had a perm, big glasses. He kind of looked like Elton John. 
Uh-huh. And I remember going through his record collection and I did see the, co- I saw, he had a copy of Surf's Up and it, next to like Jim Croce and like uh, James Taylor and <laughs> wow. John, Tony Mitchell. And I remember seeing, seeing it and going, that doesn't look like a Beach Boys record. Cause I had only known, you know, the Christmas album and what, you know, what yeah. little bit I had seen on television. Uh, so yeah, I remember kind of thinking, oh, okay. That, so the Beach Boys have something there. This must've been later when they got older and not really thinking much of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my dad always exposed me to anything and everything Beach Boys, so it's always kind of uh, there was there was definitely not a not a um, there was no timeline progression for me. It was like I was always kind of aware of the whole catalog just because my dad was always playing random Beach Boys stuff, and you know he loved his favorite record is Sunflower, so I heard a lot of that growing up. Um, but it didn't, it didn't hit me when I was a kid, you know? And then when I, when I got into pet sounds, I kind of jumped past that barrier and then got really into all the post pet sound stuff. And yeah, like you, I love friends and, and my dad loves 2020 as well. And, and, um, surfs up and later I got really into Holland and, um, love you even later than that. Um, so yeah. It's always. I, I, uh, I, was, I was so touched by the episode where you brought your dad on, and your dad was talking yeah. a little bit about his uh, background uh, painting. Was it was it a uh, album murals for uh, Tower Records? Or yeah, he did store displays for um, yeah. for the record store he worked at when he was in college, and um, he also wrote show reviews. And he sent me. Um, he wrote a Beach Boys show review when they came to their college in um, the early seventies. And yeah. um, when we get to that point in the show, which will be in, a, in the next year or so, I'm going to um, have him on to talk about that, that concert. But yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, my dad worked in a record store and he was like just a huge, huge record nerd and, and um, so you know, lucky, man. obviously passed that on to me. <laughs> so You're, You are so lucky. I mean, seriously, like it, I yeah, get like... I, I, I agree. It's 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 a glow. Like I can tell your dad's a groovy guy. I can tell that. Yeah, man. He He obviously he's great. Um, (laughs) Shout out to to Brent Funderburk. He's the man. Um, And and yeah, like I I I remember uh, my dad uh, singing the praises of of 2020. He was always a big fan of 2020. Um, I think a lot of it was because of Cabin Essence. You know, like he was just, he loved that song and he loved, I can hear music and I went to sleep and time to get alone. I mean, we'll talk about that here in a little while, but, um, uh, yeah, more into your background. Like, so you worked, um, you've worked in the music industry and you've, um, worked in the film industry for a long time and you've done, like, you've run record labels and production companies and you've, you've produce documentaries and I'm not um, super familiar with, with everything you've done. Cause it's kind of a long list, but um, you kind of um, through your love of the beach boys, you ended up dipping your toes into the Dennis Wilson story and yes. um, getting in uh, with John Stebbins, another friend of the show. Um, what, do you want to talk about that and how much can you talk about that or what do you want to mention about it? I can talk about all of it. Um, Okay, cool. uh, So, yeah, so I, I started, I mean, I started out playing as as a musician, as a 
young teenager in the nineties and around mm-hmm. San Diego, I, I was, let, let's just say I was totally kind of washed up and burned out by the time I was about 20, 21. Mm-hmm. I was kind of in and out of the ringer of the music industry as far yeah. as being a musician goes. So I, I made the decision just to only play for fun, not for, right. you know, not for monetary gain. Sure. Um, that being said, I, I got in, when I moved to Hollywood in the 1998, I got involved in the uh, fashion world, fashion and uh, advertising. Um, was you know fortunate enough to be able to uh, start my own record label by the time I turned thirty in two thousand six, mm-hmm. and uh, so I started a label called Manimal. I was able to put out like the first Bat for Lashes record, um, War Paint's first album. Got to do like official tribute records to David Bowie, The Cure. Duran Duran. We did it. We did an odd, like kind of freak folk uh, Madonna's trip, Madonna tribute record that came out in 2007 or 2008. Yeah. And, and I, got to, I got to work with all my heroes. We did a Yoko Ono record in 2016, which was a really fun experience awesome. getting to work with Yoko and Sean and the family. And, uh, you know, I, I had always, truthfully, I'd always been a little frightened to dabble in the world of the Beach Boys because to me, it's just like, I almost don't want to go there in a sense. Yeah. Um, my company, we pivoted to producing and uh, distributing films, um, mainly documentaries, uh, food and travel shows for discovery. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's some really cool stuff. We're in the middle of doing a documentary series on princess Pauline of Monaco, who's the granddaughter of Grace Kelly, which is super fun. Right. I like, that. I love that kind of stuff. It's fun, but music of course is my passion. And, mm-hmm. uh, three years ago, I, connected with John Stebbins after, you know, being a fan of his book, The Real Beach Boy, um, and started to go down the avenue of making an official documentary on Dennis Wilson. It's obviously there's so many, there's so many wrong ways to go about it. And I've, to me, the only real way to go about it, the right way to go about it would be to involve Dennis's children, widows, uh, you know, fellow beach boys, people in the music industry. And I just kind of gone down a checklist. I spent a whole year going down the checklist of everybody I need to connect with. Uh, James, James, uh, Guercio, really supportive. And of course, John Stebbins, I, you know, I, I couldn't do it without him. I was like, you need, you need to be yeah. the writer. on Yeah. He's the man. And unfortunately, I got, you know, in touch with Bruce Johnston, talked to, um, uh, Dennis's children. Um, and that's kind of where it got complicated. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Dennis, Dennis is chilling. And I can say this freely. I don't have a, yeah, there's no reason for me not to. And they're all wonderful people. I've got along swimmingly with all of them. Unfortunately, there's two camps with Dennis's family and they're not in agreement about much right now. Um, and I, I think a lot of it, unfortunately involved the Irving Azoff beach boys deal from 2020. Mm-hmm. I think that there yeah. was some, there were some loose ends with Dennis in there. So, Unfortunately, that's put the family at odds. So I yeah. loving, lovingly had to step away um, from exploring that avenue. There's just, there's just, it's just too complicated. And you know, honestly, they say don't mix your, don't let your heroes become your friends. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. is that what they say? How the saying goes? <laughs> don't yeah. never I mean, meet your heroes. Is a is a well, David I... Bowie. David Bowie was was awesome. The guys in Duran Duran yeah. are were freaking awesome. They're really that's great, great to hear. They're yeah. all wonderful people and I work with them and I'm friends. Well, I was friends with them or friendly with them. Beach Boys to me was like sacred territory. It'd be like, you know, meeting Jesus Christ or something to me. So yeah. <laughs> meeting, actually talking on the phone with Wilsons, 
you know, yeah. Wilson, his flesh and blood, it was just like, wow, this was a real person that lived and breathed and tragically passed away. And right. Dennis, I mean, if you look at my back at my backyard, I can see the house where Dennis lived in the 70s when he wrote Pacific Ocean Blue. And then oh, you look wow, to the, yeah. up the hill, you can see one of the last houses Dennis lived in before he passed away. Amazing. It's when I was talking to one of his sons, he said, yeah, that was the last time I saw my dad was in that house at the, uh, in the summer of 1983. And I was like, that's when it became real. And it became, I just got goosebumps saying that, but yeah. that's when it became, it became very real. And I said, okay, this is starting to get really intense. I think I need to step away and sure. just let it be. So how, I mean, like what, um, what can you tell us about uh, Dennis's children? Cause they, they've kind of stayed out of the, the spotlight for the most part. Um, like what are those guys up to? He has three sons, right? Yeah. Um, Mike, Michael, Carl, and Gage. Okay. Um, right. Michael is a chef. Um, uh -huh. really sweet guy he has a son named Dennis who already learned how to play cuddle up on the piano. Oh, that's which, awesome. He's like five years old and looks that's a lot so like great. his and then there's Carl, uh, who's married, has two beautiful children. Uh -huh. They all live, they, they all live close to LA. And um, you know, Carl's a bit more. Uh, he's kind of stepped in to take over the legacy of his father. But I guess okay. um, that's, you know, it, it's it seems like it's a recent endeavor. Like they didn't know what to do with it until recently. And of course, right. De Dennis's uh, second wife Barbara is still with us, and that's you know Carl and Michael's mom. Uh, seems like a very lovely person and she's still very involved. And, uh, and then there's Gage. Um, Gage was quite young when Dennis passed away. And um, last I heard uh, Gage was li living in complete wilderness and apparently snowboarding and fishing and doesn't talk to anybody, which I can totally relate to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting uh, right. saga. And I'm hoping that somebody in that circle will, sort of pick up the uh, anvil and kind of get get to work on that. Because that's a story that needs to be told. It's just as important as Brian's story to me. Yeah. Brian's story, we all know, has been told multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously. And, and and rightfully so. I mean, it, his story is great. It's a, it's, a, it's a great redemption story. And um, there's no shortage of, of twists and turns. In, in Brian's life, but I do agree that we need to hear more about Dennis and, and, uh, there was a good portion of Dennis, um, you know, featured in, in long promised road, which I thought was nice. Like just Brian, you know, say what you will, but he's never, he had never fully listened to Pacific ocean blue and then got to react to it on the documentary. Yeah. It seemed to really touch him. And, and, you know, I, I feel like, He's definitely heard it, at least parts of it before. There's no way he hadn't, but well, he, he was in the studio seemed, when Dennis was recording it. Right. He, he would, yeah. I mean, it just seems, you know, it seemed like one of those things that he maybe, you know, he maybe forgot about. And, but um, it was nice seeing, getting, getting to have some Dennis moments. And it's, it's always nice to see that because I think he gets overlooked or like you just hear about, oh, yeah, he drowned and, he it's was an drunk all the time story. and all this stuff. And there's um, no, there's no positive angle on Dennis's story. I mean, there's right. the, there's Pacific ocean blue and there's all his amazing contributions to yep. late sixties, early seventies career beach boys. And then it's just, it's just tragedy after tragedy. Yeah. 
And, you know, he was a, he was a sexy dude. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, to me, that's kind of like the curb appeal of having a Dennis film or a Dennis doc, mm-hmm. but God, it is so sad. And how do yeah. you make sense of it? How do you help let people walk away going? Yeah. Well, that makes sense now. No, none, none of it makes any sense. It's tragic. Right. I think, yeah. I mean, I think just the, the, the amount of beautiful music and, and touching music that he made is really the story is what makes it, you know, it's what makes it so great to me. It's like beyond any of the, any of the tragedies. Um, I mean, his voice is just so expressive and so painful to listen to at times. And um, he, he sounds like, I mean, when he was 25, he sounded 50. I mean, he just had so much expression and so much life in his voice and it just reflected who he was and the way he lived um, and he was such a generous person. I mean, no matter who you talk to, um, everybody just talks about how he just would give you the shirt off his back and yeah. would just do anything for his friends and for his brothers and his bandmates. And, yep. you know, despite all the fights and all the, the turbulence, he, he was just a, a really kind person. And um, one of the reasons that he was broke all the time was because he just couldn't yeah. stop giving to people he gave it all and and, um, that brings us into kind of another um touchy subject which is charles manson um he opened his arms and his home to this guy and his followers um and uh just naively trusted this guy and 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 invited him into the beach boys world into the studio and you know he ended up you know writing uh, a song with Dennis on on the 2020 album, which is crazy, and um, you know we won't get super into the Charles Manson stuff, but I think just Dennis's part in it is is just crazy to me, and like how how that little flash in the pan, that little that little moment of Dennis's life, um, just played into the rest of of the Manson yeah. story. It's just so wild to me. It, and it like is, the it, whole it, Terry Melcher connection and everything. And, and, and Dennis could have ended up um, dead. It's it just nuts to me, but I've always wanted to see like a Dennis um, documentary where that was a story that was part of it. Um, and it's obviously told in the beach boys biopics, like um, summer dreams and an American family. Yeah. and stuff um and it's mostly comedic when i watch it you know it's just the the bad beards and you know wigs and stuff but <laughs> i still like seeing it because it's such a you know you don't you don't hear about it as much in like the fluffy brian wilson is is god documentaries yeah about how they invited this cult leader you know insane person into their studio <laughs> and and uh, as a as a kid who grew up in the 80s and 90s, I think there's something that always kind of irked me about the guy with the Charles Manson shirt that would throw up the devil horns and go, yeah, Charles right. Manson, man. Right. It was, that always kind of irked me. But that being said, you know, the unarguable portion of this conversation is that never learn not to love yeah. is cease to exist. And cease to exist yeah. was recorded by Charles Manson in 1968. And and it's a great song. I don't care what yep. anyone says. If, if, exactly. And I've, yep. I've played this trick on people where I've played, you know, look at your game girl or cease to exist for, you know, random friends who aren't not crazy into music. And I say, hey, check out this singer. And they 
they i've had one person ask me if it was if it was like some weird hank williams demo i was yeah. like what like and i was like no this is charles manson and of course they look like they just you know ate a turd sandwich they're like ah but it, <laughs> it's uh it's um it's really i mean it's not bad music he was not a he was not a terrible musician no. he was he, he had no, some no. he look there's as a person that's worked in the music industry there are those people that are amazingly genius singer songwriters musicians but they scare the crap out of people when they go in the room yeah. when they get in the studio or when they go to the show and they they alienate people and that's exactly sure. what i'm sure. oh yeah i mean creative people can be the absolute most insane off 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 center people that you'll ever meet so you never know what you're gonna get i mean <laughs> and and you know we'll we'll get into it maybe a little bit more in the next episode i don't know but um i'm always hesitant to like talk too much about the charles manson stuff because i there's one, sure. one great person that you should talk to if you haven't talked to him already and that's greg jacobson oh yeah He's, i'd love I've, to talk to him his, I've got his contacts and he's a yeah. sweet, he gave me an hour of his time. And then he was actually off to go work on some documentary based on the, uh, you know, that book called chaos that came out about a year and a half ago, two years yep. ago, which talks about the CIA and Manson and right. this total rabbit hole that is sure. somewhat, it's believable, you know, Quentin, yeah. you know, kind of endorsed that book. Uh, but Greg Jacobson said, yeah. When I asked him, I said, is that how much of that is true? He's like, I helped contribute to the book. I was like, and when I told him I was working on a doc, he would, the first thing he said to me was, be careful. And he, was, he, he wasn't wrong. But he's a great person to talk to. He was there for all that. And he, yeah. has, he has the most insightful, um, I guess, voice. Of, he's the most insightful voice of reason in that, like what Dennis was thinking, how Charlie came across to people in the music industry at first. Right. And then he would, then he would just snap. He would something would set him off, and he would, then he scared the shit out of Terry Milcher. He scared the crap out of Dennis and everybody else he was in the room with. And, yeah, and still that horrible, you know, horrible tragic night. Right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the 2020 album, and we'll we'll go through it and I'll get your thoughts and and um, we've we've gone through pretty extensively all the sessions with with will and john and um there were a lot of unused recordings but we're only going to focus on the actual album and um we'll just start right off with a song that really was um just a, a standalone single that came out uh the the previous summer in summer of 68 uh that's do it again written by mike and brian and uh classic it came out two weeks after friends I'm glad that it wasn't on the Friends album. I, don't, I feel like it, it stands alone a lot better, and it maybe fits on 2020 better than Friends. Um, it had the Wake the World as the B-side, and it reached number 20 on the U.S. Um, Hot 100. And uh, it was their second number one hit in the U.K. Pretty cool. And they were they were really, we'll talk about that too, but they were really doing well in, in the U.K. still, and they, were gonna, they did a big tour at the end of 68. Um, their fourth tour of Europe, and they did another tour in '69, so that they were really um, putting a lot of their eggs in that basket, rightfully so, because um, the U.S. crowds were dwindling and their popularity was fading a little bit. But um, yeah, I love this song. I've talked about this song a lot. It's just such a great throwback, but also something new. Um, you've got like uh, the great Steve Desper 
drum delay sound going on and um, it's just such a unique feel and vibe and I love I love this song a great lyrics by Mike uh, great melody super simple the bridge is awesome melodic great Brian moments it the formula works for them man they always they always write great tunes and uh, this is an awesome song I, I would give it an 8 out of 10 um, I love hearing this song I love playing it it makes me feel good what do you think Paul I mean I love this song I yeah. uh, I, I I definitely give this one a 10 out of 10 and nice. I, and I to, to me it's one of those songs I'm always in the mood to hear that mm. fringed out I agree drum and you know yeah. drum kick in the beginning I mean it's it's just got such a feel and I'm never I mean I was so excited to hear the stereo mix of it um, recently, because I'm I'm a big stereo guy. I don't right. know. I, 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 uh, <laughs> um, I I just loved hearing it because you know that was one of the one of the frustrating things about getting you know you know an original copy of 2020 is you know I don't believe that some of the mastering on that was done correctly. I feel like they rushed it. Sure. I think some depending on the turntable you're playing it on, especially mm-hmm. if you're listening to the old vinyl, it, it's it's a bit it's a bit top heavy or a bit bottom heavy when you're yeah. there's almost like this drone kind of going through it. That's not enjoyable. Right. Um, hearing the stereo mix of this just made me love the song a hundred times more. Awesome. Um, it's perfect. And whenever I've seen the beach boys or Brian perform and they play this song, I get really happy. So it's great. Yeah. It's, it's like a root beer float. It's so great. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. All right. So next is, um, one of the two singles, well, additional singles that were released on the 2020 album, both um, cover songs. Um, I Can Hear Music, uh, produced by Carl Wilson, the first uh, first Beach Boys track without Brian Wilson on it. Great tune, um, you know, obviously from Phil Spector, amazing lead vocal by Carl, one of his best, in my opinion. Um, just blows me away how effortless it is for him to just sing this song, which is insanely high for for most singers. But he just sounds so smooth and so sweet singing it. And um, I remember seeing this on some Beach Boys documentary when I was growing up, and just like, oh my god, what is this? What song is this? And I had to seek it out, and and uh, loved it, man. It just such a such a great recording and. I love how simple the backing vocals are, and the 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 bridge with the with the mic uh, bass part, the do re yeah. mi thing is so great, and and uh, yeah, I mean I'm I've I don't usually like I'm not usually crazy about the Beach Boys covers and stuff. I mean there's a few obviously Sleep John B, um, stuff like that, but I, that I love. But this is one that I really really enjoy. I've always loved this track and loved this recording. Um, it's a Definitely eight out of ten for me, for sure. It, oh yeah, it came out um, March third of nineteen sixty nine, and the, all I want to do was the B side, and uh, it reached number twenty four on the U.S. Billboard charts, and uh, it reached number ten in the United Kingdom. So still, still doing considerably better over there. Um, but yeah, what do you think? I love it. I agree with you. It's yeah. definitely a, it's a solid eight out of ten. I think it's yeah. uh, it, it, I think it's um, that just that opening, just it just goes right to it. It's just so yep. beautiful. And Carl's vocals, it, it's so impressive. This is his first time really producing, you know, lone producing a yep. Beach Boys track. 
it's great. I, I give it, a, I give it like a good solid eight. I think it's. I'm not always in the mood to hear it, but it's mm-hmm. definitely when I most of the time when I hear it, I'm I'm not annoyed. It's it's kind of like ah, oh, feels great. It's a nice it's a nice yeah. song. Um, moving on the the next cover. De- Sorry, definitely their. I think I can hear music is definitely their best cover. Oh, the nice. I, I wow, think so. over uh, over Sleep John B, huh? <laughs> Sleep John B is a traditional song. I don't know. Okay, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. But this, this, for for them covering a Ronette song, I mean, this song was only like yeah. three or four old when it, you know, it was a, the Ronette. Yeah, version. no, yeah, it was a fairly contemporary song. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, so next another uh, another cover song, Bluebirds Over the Mountain. They also released this as a single. It it came out in uh, November of '68. It was actually the first single off the record proper. If you don't count, do it again. But um, it, let's see, it reached number 61 on the Billboard chart in America. Not great. And then number 33 in the UK. And uh, But in the Netherlands, it peaked at number 9. It's very interesting. I wonder why they, they loved this song so much. But but uh, it, it's, it's not like one of my favorite Beach Boys covers. It's nice. I mean, I... I think it's a fun song. The arrangement's cool, and uh, I give it a six out of ten. I think I'm, I might. This one might rank a little bit lower on my chart. Yeah. I think it's like I think I, I give this one like a five out of mm-hmm. ten. I, honestly, I'm never in the mood to hear this song. I yeah. Richie Valens. I think Richie Valens actually recorded the second most well-known version of this song. Right. Okay. And yeah, of course, Ursel Hickey wrote it. It's like yeah. a rockabilly song. But I, I did hear Richie Valens' version of it, and it was—it seemed more appropriate. Hearing the Beach Boys do this, it's just—it's a bit random. It's a bit weird, and it's, it's like it's yeah. totally a constant choice on this one. Um, the stereo version—you can hear the little—you can hear the little TikTok in the song. Um, yep. On the on the second chorus, it just goes into this. I'm sorry, second verse. It goes into this like little breakdown, which is a little bit reminiscent of Smile. Or little, sorry, smiley smile, little pad. There's like a kind of, yep. I kind of connected the dots on that. But yeah, I'd say five, five out of ten. Yeah, it's, it's not a song I go after or put on sure. any playlist. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting choice for a single too. You know, I feel like there were some other tracks that they could have they could have used. Uh, I, you know, but they were kind of going back and forth with what to do about a single for this record for a long time. So yeah. Next up, we've got our our boy Dennis. Um, with one of my favorite songs on this record. I think it's awesome. It's a track that he wrote and produced called Be With Me. Mm. And uh, just another one of those really emotional lead vocals um, and a straightforward... I think he, he hadn't quite you know, come into his own as a, as a uh, lyric writer yet, but it's a really great song, really straightforward. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just obviously... This is just who Dennis is. He's he's always been the 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 lover of the group, and he just he's just always got um, one thing on his mind, if you will. And um, I think it's a great song. I love the arrangement. It's uh, it does kind of it does kind of uh, 
I don't know. It doesn't. I don't. I don't really know what the sound of this album is. To be honest with you, like this album, one of the reasons that it's not one of my favorite Beach Boys records is because it just kind of is all over the place and it doesn't feel like a cohesive group of songs like Friends or Wild Honey or Sunflower even, um, and obviously not like um, Pet Sounds or. So it just kind of stands out in that way where there's just kind of a lot of different feels on this record and it feels kind of like a, a hodgepodge of, of songs that were, and it, and, it, and it was really, I mean, it was, they had recorded a lot of material and a lot of it didn't end up on the record. And I think um, also just, just lumping in some smile tracks also made it a little more disjointed, but um, I love this track. Um, I give it a, Eight out of ten. I'm right with you on that one. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's it's a haunting song. I mean, Van McCoy did the hustle. Yeah. Um, he he wrote the arrangement. He did all the string arrangement arrangements on this uh, track. Mm. But there's that part at the very end where it fades, and you hear this like howl. It's 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 a it's a bit haunting. At the very very end, you hear this like, it just keeps going into this um, coda at the end of the song. And it sounds like Dennis is really going crazy in the studio on that track. It's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful and haunting. I, yeah, I love it. I agree. Eight out of 10. <laughs> I yeah. Can- I love the instrumental of this. It's one, I honestly listen to the instrumental more than I listen to the, the actual version. Cause I just, I don't know. It just sounds great to me. And I love how it builds and flows. And it's got just that really interesting Dennis Wilson chord pattern. He just, you can always tell when it was a Dennis song because he wrote so so differently than Brian or or Al or Carl or, or Mike or whatever. Uh, he just had his own style of, of writing and it was very blocky and sometimes awkward but it just felt so uniquely Dennis um, and I love it and uh, yeah I mean it's just a it's just a great performance big fan of that one Yeah. Um, and then yeah we're going right into another Dennis song that he wrote with um, Stephen Kalinich, All I Want to Do. Again, we know what he wants to do. And if if you guys want to hear more about that, there's a special uh, episode on the Patreon page where we talk about the uh, additional recording sessions for that song that they did at the end. Um, (laughs) A little little X-rated Beach Boys history. Um, yeah, but uh, really interesting uh, choice for them uh, to use to use Mike on this because I I just always thought oh it's weird this is Dennis should have sang this song and then we finally got to hear Dennis singing it yeah. on that um, twenty twenty sessions release and I was like ah oh, yeah this is awesome like they should have just let Dennis sing it but Mike did a great job uh, and it's one of Mike's like craziest lead vocals like it's super high for one and he's like growling and it i think dennis could have definitely done it um but yeah it's still great i mean it's it's just a rock song man like it's just a it's just a rocker it's a fun one to to listen to um there's not much else to say about it um you know dennis just was kind of straight to the point at this at this time in his career as a songwriter and um there's always some weird like I don't know. There's always some weird under undercurrent of sadness in all these songs, even though they're like kind of more. I don't know. They're like usually uplifting messages and and songs about love and stuff. But there's always some weird. I don't know. 
There's always some, there's something weird and dark about this song whenever I hear it. I don't know why. But, um, I don't know. You gave up everything you had and let the power through you. It's just got some weird, I don't know. It's just weird lyrics in, in these some for some reason. But he's just kind of a, a scary dude sometimes. But maybe he was, this was when he was hanging out with Manson. So you never know. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this song a lot. I give it a, um, where do I give this song? Hold on. I give it a 7 out of 10. It rocks. Hmm. That's, uh, that's quite generous. 7 out of <laughs> You're here? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's funny because this song I'm a little bit schizophrenic about. I think that yeah. uh, hearing Mike's, Mike's vocals really throw me off on this track. And I think for the, sure. the 2020 version that we all know, that we all have been listening, most people have been listening to for 50 years, um, to me, I give that song like a four out of 10, mm -hmm. but the redeeming quality is, you know, hearing Dennis's, hearing the original version with Dennis singing it. I mean, that song, it cooks, it's incredible. Yeah. It's I, I, if Dennis singing it, I, I give it like an eight Mike give it singing it. Right. And no disrespect to Mike love. It's just, he's a, you mm -hmm. know, he wears leather gloves and was driving, uh, Mercedes convertible <laughs> living in Bear Hills. Yes. Hearing him growling and singing like he's Mick Jagger just threw me off completely. Sure. Um, see, I, I give it like a four. I usually skip that song. Yeah. But yeah. That's that's fair. I mean, that song had to grow on me over years. And like, I actually never would have, would have listened to it back 15, 20 years ago. And, and I don't know. I just, there's something about it that just rocks. It's just got a, it's just got a vibe to it. And, and I do prefer Dennis's vocal, but. Um, I don't mind the mic version at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, and it's very timely. It just feels like 1969 and they weren't really doing a lot of like timely music. They were doing a lot of stuff that just felt out of place and it was kind of, you know, like either they were trying to do something music from the future or doing music from the past. So yeah. it was like, this feels like very much in the moment. 1969 this feels like it would have fit in with a lot of this would have been a better single to me than bluebirds over the mountain that's but, that's true that is that is true hey you know yeah you know, hindsight is 2020 as they say um <laughs> it's just hearing mike sing the song it makes me think of like when pat boone made a heavy metal record back in the 90s it, it just has that it's like okay mike come on yep. we all know who you are we all know what you're capable of and what you're not capable sure. of rocking hard and screaming yeah. is definitely not my club. They should have just let Dennis take this one and, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, the next track. Now we are getting into a rare Beach Boys instrumental track. There's only a few of these on, on, on official releases. And uh, this one kind of controversial. I've, I've been got a lot of pushback whenever I talk about how much I like this song. but um, And even Bruce himself thinks that this his music doesn't fit the Beach Boys, but whatever i mean this album doesn't really have any sort of it doesn't really have a sound so it's it's fine with me i like this song i think it's great um it's a bruce johnston track produced by bruce and um i don't know if it ever was meant to have um vocals i think it probably just uh, was intended to be an instrumental but uh i'm glad they included it i love this track it doesn't sound like a beach boys track and um that's okay I think it's awesome. It's super fluffy and it's got those Bruce Johnston 
jazz chords and moments in it and um, it sounds sort of like a I don't know like a promotional video for um, I don't know like hot air balloon rides or something like that <laughs> I don't know you know it's it's super fluffy but um, and it's just weird coming out of all I want to do and then this song <laughs> and then you go into like cotton fields this album is just so schizophrenic it has no idea what's happening um, kind of like the Beach Boys at this time um, searching for an identity searching for a sound really without Brian um, in a lot of ways on this record only a few Brian tracks and if you don't include the if you don't include the um, smile tracks there's only one Brian Wilson I guess no there's two Brian Wilson songs on this record really and uh, so yeah they were they were really trying to figure out okay who's gonna carry the torch here like what's gonna happen is it Dennis is it Carl is it Bruce you know um, so I'm glad that this is on there it was a it was a an interesting experiment and um, I dig it a lot I'm gonna get people pushing back on me all day long but I like it I give it uh, uh I give it a seven out of ten. Wow! <laughs> yeah, <Quiet. laughs> I, I like this song, man. I, I'm I'm fine with all the pushback and all the hate. Um, you're, you're so interesting. I mean, your it's taste not is really cool. a Beach Boys song. It's just not. Look, it's, I really agree with that. It's funny because this song, from the first time I heard it, you know, 25 years ago, yeah, to hearing it, to listening to it recently. Like, time has definitely been kinder to this song, but maybe I'm also a lot older. When I first heard this record, it That's was true. more kind of like, okay, skip. Where now I have a huge appreciation for the, you know, the instrumental composers at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, the Burt Bacharachs, the, I mean, the, uh, you know, the Luxotica type people like, um, yeah. are, you know, uh, oh my gosh, Les Baxter. Like the, I love that stuff. I love yeah, yeah a lot of the italian and french soundtracks from this era like murray 60s wilson <laughs> yeah well yeah, I mean, was murray murray yeah. Wilson. So right. hearing it now i actually do like it a lot i think it's a really beautiful song and and it's so oh, bruce boy there we go yeah, i would I, I will settle about i'd say six out of ten on this one hey i'll Dude. take that that's great that's six that out of ten happy. no it, it's a good one it doesn't fit the record at all no but it's 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 still a really beautiful song and i love bruce bruce is I got I got a soft spot in my heart for Bruce. Nice. Yeah, I've always liked Bruce's songs and I wish he had written more. I wish I just the only complaint I have is that he didn't I feel like he kind of he had so many he must have had more in the tank that he just held back. He always was so I don't know self-deprecating about how he felt about his music within the Beach Boys. He was always like, "Oh, it doesn't work. I don't my music isn't Beach Boys music. It doesn't fit." But I don't I don't care. Like I like his music. I like Bruce's songs. I think you know the stuff he did with Terry Melcher is fantastic. Um yeah. obviously like um Don't Run Away. It's one of my favorite tracks oh, of so all good. time. It's just so good and it, and it's Girl. Bruce just has like a certain vibe and he's just got a great sense of melody and his kind of his his proficiency with uh with the piano um was far beyond Brian's so you can tell whenever there's a track and it's got like an intricate piano part it's that's a oh. Bruce 
that's a Bruce song, you know. It's just he's he was really Absolutely. really smart. Bruce, you know, this is the thing that nobody really talks about. You know, Bruce didn't have to be a Beach Boy financially speaking. Bruce did not have to be Terry Melcher's sure. partner. Of Bruce course. came. Bruce was adopted into a really wealthy family. Yeah, grew up in Bel Air. He didn't have to do any of this. He could. Mm -hmm. There's he could live off his inheritance for the rest the rest of his life and his children too. Um, yeah. He wanted to be a Beach Boy. He was the guy that was like, I just I need to just do this, or I'm going to go crazy. I need to play music. Where the other guys were working class, you know, guys from, you know, not from Hollywood. Bruce was a Hollywood guy. He went to high school with, with Phil Spector, and, uh, you know, he 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 was part of that Hollywood elite. And the other guys were from you know blue collar Hawthorne and Baldwin Hills, right? And uh, yeah, so it's like this this crazy dichotomy. But you know, they were the Beach Boys. Bruce was kind of like their guest. Yeah. So when it, it doesn't surprise me that he would have this kind of music on a beach boys record and i i do yeah. find dynamic quite lovely yeah um cool let's move on let's get into uh side two which uh kicks off with the album version of cotton fields um another track that was uh this was produced by brian and al uh, it was obviously al's idea um, as the folksman of the Beach Boys, and uh, as you said, written by uh, Huddy William Ledbetter, aka um, Leadbelly, and uh, it's a fun song. I always, I always love hearing this song, uh, and this arrangement's really neat. I, I enjoy it a lot. It's got the cool kind of Brian Wilson um, bass parts. It does harken back in in a, in a way to the Sleep John B arrangement and yeah i mean it doesn't really go anywhere it's a it's a pretty simple song and the arrangement doesn't blossom like the sleep john b arrangement did but um there are some some great moments in the in the vocals and the harmonies and, and i think al's al's vocal is is really good yeah, i give it a six out of ten it's it's good i have to disagree i think this is one of my least favorite beach boys songs i think this is probably like a generous four out of ten that's fair yeah it's just it doesn't go anywhere and it's it, i feel like yeah. it's actually an embarrassment as a brian wilson production <laughs> he was asleep at the wheel completely single version is slightly better yeah. I think you can actually yeah. hear the drums there's more of a balance mm -hmm. to it al's vocals sound a bit more convincing but yeah this is a lazy production i'm not into it yeah that's fair i mean i i uh it's probably my least favorite song on this record to be honest um and it's so interesting that they put so much into this and they really wanted to push this as their as their next single um it's interesting and we'll get more into the we'll get more into the single version um because that doesn't come around until late 69 i guess um and it was more part of the uh obviously part of the the sunflower sessions but um yeah just uh just just not not a highlight but i do enjoy it i don't i don't um put this in the in the in the uh, world of boogie woody or anything like that which i <laughs> you know it's it's somewhere in the middle of the pantheon of beach boys songs um which is still pretty good in in in, in general terms um but yeah, up next is, uh, uh, you know, the, we have the two, uh, 
Brian's songs on the record. I went to sleep, which is awesome. I think most most people agree it's a great song. It's a it's a fun day in the life type of Brian song, um, written by Brian and Carl. And um, Brian and Carl uh, share the lead vocal on this one. Uh, I always uh, imagine this as a song that uh, could have finished off the the uh, Friends album instead of Transcendental Meditation, but I get also a lot of pushback about that, but I don't care. Like, in my fantasy Friends album, this would be the final track. I would love to hear that. It's just perfect. Like, I agree. It, just like it's a day in Brian's life, and you, you start off with you know friends and and wake the world and then you end up with with, i went to sleep i think it would be great but uh super simple and just a great you know kind of stripped down arrangement um and i've always loved this song it's probably my favorite song it's probably my favorite song on this record if you don't count cabin essence which it's hard to really say that that's part of this album because yes it's it's not really but uh, it's like a bonus track um but yeah it's a it's it's a nine out of ten for me i always always love this one yeah i i totally agree with you it's a, this is a yeah. nine out of 10 for me i think that I, I totally word for word everything you said this this would have been a perfect closer to the friends album it's not controversial man like everybody loves this song everybody i've ever talked to like loves this song. brilliant like, song. yeah it's just it's great it's a yeah, little sneak like, peek into brian's into brian's mind it's just like yeah. these simple you know moments and just the things that he notices and the way that he carries himself it's just it's just really charming and sweet and innocent yep so I, I really I love agree. it i agree 100 everything you're saying on this like that's two thumbs up <laughs> yeah um and then uh next is another song that they were working on for a little while they had tried this song several times um and finally, it, it makes an appearance here uh, in uh, 2020, Time to Get Alone. Uh, another great Brian Wilson song. What a cool arrangement. Um, what a great vocal performance by all these guys. Um, but especially Carl. I mean, I think his his vocal is unbelievable. Um, just such a sweet, sweet vocal performance. From Carl, I know I've said that before. He just sounds so good right here in this in this era. And um, man, just a really awesome lyric as well. Just an awesome uh, vibe to this song in general. And um, yeah, I wish there was I wish there was more of this vibe on this record because it's yep. just it's just so cozy. Um, one of my one of my favorite tracks as well. I think these two. These two Brian tracks stand out to me on this record, um, as well as um, the Dennis songs. But I, I really, really love these two tracks. It's a nine out of ten for me. Always been a big fan. Yeah, I, I do love this song. I still, I, th- I think, I think, unfortunately, hearing the uh, Danny Hutton Redwood version of this song kind of it kind of ruined my uh, my thinking on this track because I mm-hmm. love the. The hearing, you know, the you know, Carl and Brian and Al yeah. and this—it's so beautiful. I still can't get the Danny Hutton vocal version out of my head. Sure, and it's, it's kind of ruined the song for me a little bit. But I still give it a right. good soft eight. I, yeah. I think it's 
it's a brilliant song and I think I first heard this in the endless uh, I don't know I can't remember if it was the endless harmony documentary or if it was the American band documentary um, when one of those documentaries they show extensive footage of them in the studio in the studio them. right 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 I love that too that's awesome oh, it's so good so because you never that, get to see that home studio they never allowed cameras in there so that was such a rare sight you they, yeah. they, there were there were no there were hardly any pictures or video from that from that studio so that was that always stuck out to me too yeah it looks so cozy and cool just like green yeah. with all the flowers on the wall the but the, all the painted panels and stuff yeah totally so cool. but yeah, I, yeah i think i give the song an eight out of ten i, I, yeah. I do love so the good. song it just sometimes i'm not in the mood for it but i do love it yeah it's one that i that i listen to often i i really love it and um yeah and the older you get the more you relate to the the, to the title time to get alone sure <laughs> yeah especially if you have if you, you have three kids right so yeah especially yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean, get very much on time <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's always great to have time with the with the person you love uh and then the last real like track on this record before the smile tracks is never learn not to yeah. love which we mentioned people have have accepted that this was written by charles manson with dennis it was mostly a a, a charles manson song um cease to exist and uh yeah man it is a it's a great song i i uh i didn't growing up and hearing this song i didn't know that it was a charles manson song um and then years later you find that stuff out and it's kind of wild but um it's kind of a, a a weird song. It's a weird lyric, and but yeah, I mean, it just feels like. But it does feel like a Dennis song. I mean, it, it does have that vibe to it, um, and it does feel more timely. It feels like a, a late '60s track um, in like the in the world of rock and roll. It feels like it could have been a, a better single than "Bluebirds Over the Mountain" again. But. Sure. Um, I really like it. I think it's cool. I think it's neat that they did it, and it's a, it's a great Dennis vocal, of course, as all these are. And uh, I like the vocal arrangement a lot. Um, yeah, and and I give it a, I give this, I give this a seven out of ten. Awesome. I, I this song ranks a little higher for me. I'm actually probably more like yeah. a nine. 10 on this one i mean the backwards gong it. well the backwards gong in the beginning is so spooky it's so weird it's such a and i remember when i did have 2020 when i first when i first got 2020 i wasn't exactly sure which um dennis song was written by manson i knew there was sure. one on this album and I, I had to figure it out on my own so i didn't have you know before the internet I didn't have access to the literature so I, my guess was like okay it's definitely not be with me it's definitely not all i want to do and i was like my money's on the never learn not to love and then of course i had a friend who had the lie the manson uh, lies record it's like yeah, yeah. man it seems to exist and then i put it together and realized that red cross actually covered this in the early yep. 80s when we we're little kids right. they covered cease to exist and I, and I knew that song very well and i was like oh my god that's the same i, I didn't put the lyrics together so submission is a gift give it to your brother or lover <laughs> which one is it right it's <laughs> weird stuff man <laughs> but yeah it's a weird ass song but i love it yeah and i think i think originally the yeah the the lyrics were written from 
Charles Manson's perspective of the Beach Boys. Like he wrote it about um, the personal issues that the Beach Boys had with each other. It's really interesting. Um, <sighs> weird. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really weird. Um, but yeah, I, I think it came out really good, and and I've always enjoyed this. Um, and it kind of has that. It just yeah, it does sound like a Dennis song. It's like if you didn't know any better, you just think yeah, it's cool Dennis song. Yeah. But yeah, it's obviously a uh, Manson song, especially when you hear the original version. It's just oh, like slightly sure. altered, you know. They they performed it on the Mike Douglas show. There's footage yeah. of really hard oh, to yeah. see footage of them performing this song on the Mike Douglas show in 69 and uh, mm. i mean i mean officially speaking i mean this was the b-side to bluebird over the mountain bluebirds over the mountain was a charting single so yep. therefore charles manson did have a song on the billboard top 100 right that's true and and the yeah and, and in europe technically speaking yeah um i thought it was funny that mike said that he never knew that manson wrote it he used that as kind of his excuse he was like oh we were just told that Dennis wrote this song. We had no idea. It's like, eh, okay. <laughs> but either way, um, it's a good song. I'm glad it exists. And um, none of these guys knew the horrors that were going to come out of that guy. But uh, And luckily, they kind of stepped away from him when they did. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. Right, then, cast the darkest shadow. <laughs> yeah absolutely yep um but yeah we don't have to get too into the other the other two songs are smile songs that have been kind of yeah. slightly uh, you know slightly uh updated you know with vocals and whatnot but um they're great songs i mean they're both phenomenal songs probably nine out of ten for our prayer and then maybe a 10 out of 10 for me for cabin essence i don't know like i just do you know, uh, pretty much everything on smile all the 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 kind of the the corner post songs on smile for me are just perfect songs i mean they're just classic like brian at his creative peak just like flexing all of his 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 muscles and it was just incredible and it seems so far away but it was only two years prior to this you know yeah when he when he wrote that stuff it's just bizarre but yeah. It feels like we're in a different world at this point. Um, he was using the big studios and still using yeah. a lot of set musicians. And yeah, he was happy yeah, before they went homemade. Um, right. Yeah. But no, these, yeah, these are both 10 out of 10s for me. I think, yeah. It, it, how, I don't know, but you're, you're a bit younger than me. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you had to make your own smile cassette tapes before they finally released the sessions officially or before you could. No. Well, I see. I never, I never like really got super into the whole smile thing. I, I had like the, I don't know, like I had like the tracks that had been released, and I, and I liked them a lot. But everything else that I heard, like all the bootleg stuff, none of it really like, none of it really interested me that much until I heard all of it kind of in context. So it wasn't something that I was like seeking out. Like it wasn't like this holy grail thing for me. It was more like I'd rather listen, like at the time, which was like, you know, the mid 90s when I started discovering all that stuff, I was way more interested in pet sounds and today and stuff like that. And then I guess when, you know, the smile stuff started coming out, you know, more of the, the session stuff started coming out. I was, I would always listen to it, but I wasn't as 
excited about it as a lot of people were. And um, I feel like the best Smile songs were the ones that had already been released, like Heroes and Villains, Wonderful, Surf's Up, Cabin Essence. That stuff was always, to me, and still is, like those are the cornerstones of Smile. Like they pretty much took all those songs and and made use of them. And it's just all the kind of connective tissue there that was missing. And obviously there's no right or wrong way. No one knew how Smile was going to be. And that's one of the reasons that it never came out. Even Brian had just completely uh, lost the plot. He he didn't really know what was what anymore. And there were were too many different uh, versions of each track and it was hard to keep up with. And just, I mean, it's hard enough dealing with it when you have files on a computer in front of you like just imagine having stacks of tapes Tapes. in 1966 and just in 1967 and saying oh god like which one of these is the the bridge from six months ago that i was trying to you know it's just it's just crazy to think about yeah and um you know so it, it 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 fascinates me to hear like all the different versions and stuff and and the different ways you can put it together but to me smile was always more about those cornerstone songs cabin essence and heroes and villains surfs up wonderful i mean that stuff just that's what really interested me like just the actual songs um that's what i loved the most about smile but um yeah i mean they it's just it's just interesting they were like slowly kind of throwing these tracks onto records um the next you know a couple years and um people were getting these little glimpses of what could have been and that was when i guess people started like kind of throwing together little um smile bootlegs and all that stuff but i mean you're you're such a well-adjusted you're such a well-adjusted person and uh, (laughs) you know i think i had i think i don't know i've had a pretty i had a pretty rough experience at the time when I I was going through a pretty rough phase in my life when I discovered mm-hmm. the music of the Beach Boys and especially the smile thing so it became like this obsessive treasure hunt for me so the in, in the primitive versions of smile that I would put together myself recorded off vinyl onto tape you know it, I, it consisted of you know smiley smile and um, right. 2020 surfs up and sunflower and um, having to go through and get and get the meat and potatoes of what that record is and then intertwining it together with some tracks from the horrible bootlegs that existed, you know, before that, you know, do you, do you like worms? I mean, I know that they had released it on the good vibrations, uh, 30 years of the beach boys box set. And, uh, you know, that was fancy folk stuff. I wanted it off vinyl. So I had to go find the, you know, $40 bootleg that from the seventies of smile. It sounded horrible. Like a mm, source. Yeah. Was so so it, it always felt odd putting do you like worms in between uh, heroes and villains and uh, cabin sure. essence when you're making your own. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll never know the struggle, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think it, I, I, like I said, like I just, I, I was too young at, at that era to have friends that were like, Hey, check out this smile bootleg. You know, I just didn't have that. And I was in a really small town and I had like two friends that liked the beach boys. So and one of them was my dad, you know. So it was like I just didn't have that. And my dad was um, into that, into smile and stuff like that. But he wasn't, you know. I mean, he was he was an adult who wasn't worried about like hunting down bootlegs of stuff at that point. So it, <laughs> I just wasn't aware of all that stuff being passed around, and I didn't 
you know, it was like I, I you're just so didn't lucky. Keep up with you're, it, but no, so I mean, lucky. I wish I had. I wish I had been. I wish I had had like found some some shady guy in our local record store that was like, hey man. You, you're looking That's, at the Beach Boys. Are you into Smile? You know about Smile, and I like, opens his coat, and there's it. like a cassette tape in there. Hundred yeah. bucks for this tape, bro. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't even tell you. Like, you know, living in Hollywood and having like the guy that's like. Hey, dude, you know, my friend, he bought the headboard from Brian Wilson's old bed with the cherubs on it. You know, he's got it in his house. And of course, sure. you know, people like one upping you about the Beach Boys. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, my, my dad absolutely you know, made a flute for Charles Manson. <laughs> this, those, those, <laughs> those are actual quotes from That's people. That's amazing. People that. And it got so intense. I was like, okay, I got to back out of this and just go back to the pure stuff because <laughs> it, it gets weird. Yeah. It, it, it gets weird. Oh, man. Well, we're going a little long. I gotta, we gotta wrap up. Um, just generally uh, speaking about the album, I think I made it clear. It's just kind of a disjointed record, but there's some great music on it, and uh, I've I've enjoyed getting deeper into it and hearing about the sessions and stuff. And there was a lot of music that was left, kind of on the cutting room floor, if you will. Um, some really good stuff, but it, it's a it's a good record, and I I do think it it uh, gets overlooked a lot of times being in between, you know, friends and, and sunflower, which are two great records. Um, but I give it a seven out of 10 as a whole. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you really start to see these guys coming into their own Carl as a producer and a singer and Dennis as a writer, um, kind of foreshadowing what was to come. And then, you know, next we got, breakaway and then sunflower which is just like this creative explosion from the group oh yeah where they were all just kind of firing on all cylinders so really looking forward to that more than anything yeah. i can't um, wait to hear the episodes yeah man um what's your rating for the record as a as an album as much as i i'd like to be a contrarian and not agree with you i'm i'm totally stuck on about a seven seven out yeah. of ten of the album as a as cool. a whole seven well, thanks for doing this with me, man, on short notice. I really appreciate really it. Fun. Anything you want to promote and anywhere the guys can, uh, the, the listeners can find you and check out what you're up to. That's so kind of you, Wyatt. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm in the middle of uh, a bunch of documentary series and, uh, you know, still running Manimal, the record label, you know, keeping it more European focused. I wish I had some good news about the Beach Boys, but I don't. I tried very, very hard to have some good yeah. news about the Beach Boys and the Dennis Doc, but as, as it goes right now, nothing from that world. Um, yeah, but definitely I think there's going to be a lot of interesting Beach Boys stuff being announced this year. Um, yeah. Awesome. Look forward to that. Well, thanks again, man. Um, I'll talk thanks to you soon. Having- I'll, be out, I'll be out in California again um, at some point this summer. I'll hit you up and see, where, see what you're up to. Killer. Love to see you, man. Well, that's going to do it for our coverage of the 2020 album. One more episode in what I would refer to as season four of the show. Coming up next, we will discuss uh, the European tour and the breakaway single in 1969. And uh, yeah, that'll that'll be on to uh, Sunflower, so that'll be exciting. Thanks again to Nia. Thanks to Paul for joining me today. Thanks to Will C. always for the awesome music. And thanks to you guys. Thank you for joining in on the discussion over at the Discord server. 
There's links in the show notes to all the fun stuff. And we'll see you in a month. Never learn not to love. Sail on, sailors. Thank you.